the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. Audio drama, poetry, fiction. You're listening to the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. In this edition, presented by me, Sally walker we look at 100 Words of Solitude, a collection of writing on the subject of the recent COVID-19 lockdowns. 100 Words of Solitude comprises 100 pieces of writing of exactly 100 words each from writers all around the world. In this podcast, we'll bring you a selection of these short pieces, some read by their authors, some read by our actors. We'll hear about the process of creating the collection, from Simon and Philippa Holloway, who came up with the original idea for 100 Words of Solitude, and from Renee Segel of Rare Swan Press, who published the printed versions of the collections. You'll hear stories and insights from all around the globe on an experience that has been shared by all humans to a greater or lesser extent. Let's start by hearing some of the pieces from the collection. Brooding by Mandira Patnaik from Kolkata, India. This is no excuse for an iridescent dream. You lay awake, hands outstretched, feeling for your kids with half-closed eyes of incomplete cognizance. They're home and safe, sound asleep. Yet you swat at invisible demons, snap on slightest hints. Air outside collapses under siren wails, earth shudders with body piles, grief rises in tsunami waves. When you do slip away briefly, it is on giant seagull's wings, a flight over glittering indigo waters. You swoop, the kids follow, but there's not a speck of terrain to land. That's when, wide awake, you pull the kids to your bosom with sweaty hands. Burnt City, Paras Abbasi, Karachi, Pakistan. The city burns, not from fire, but from the invisible cloud of smoke, as if sent from above, from misery that comes different from different houses, from subdued bodies that are locked inside the doors. It burns from clouds of muffled voices, only leaking through holes in the walls. Upon arrival of summer, The city now burns from impatience and sweat, not quite the usual for when the ordeal will end. I turn to the sea, morning after morning for the sea spray, after it accidentally sprays one day over me, for it might extinguish the blaze of the city. The City Haunted by Kites by Katie Piper, Victoria, Australia The kites snaked and jostled, 
They swarmed in front of trundling clouds. They haggled and shook their fringes. Dragons lurched. Their yellow eyes turned gold by the sun. Their swishes were a quiet racket, amplified by the eardrums of people below. Kite tinnitus sounded like the rubbing together of cold hands. People developed kite phobia. They stayed indoors, in their silence, watching the souls who dared to lurch past the thrashing bow-laden strings. The kites came in gangs from parts of the city we didn't visit, from the unknown unknowns. That's how they were labelled in the emergency department. Philippa Holloway and her husband Simon came up with the idea for 100 Words of Solitude and began to compile the pieces during the first UK lockdown. We spoke with Philippa via Zoom about how the idea came about. At the beginning of the UK lockdowns, um, myself and my husband were very lucky to be able to retreat into our own homes and keep ourselves safe. But we were very aware that this was not a privilege that everybody could share and that this pandemic was being experienced by every human being across the world at the same time and would have an impact on every human being across the world. We were aware as well that no matter how privileged people are, the impact of solitude and isolation was a kind of slow violence that could affect everyone. As writers and educators, we know that writing can help people understand what's happening and make sense of what's happening. And that also it's an important process of documentation. I found myself writing about my experience of lockdown and creating a very short piece of work that encapsulated a particular moment of how I felt because what was happening seemed too big to write about. And I found it really helped me to understand the situation. One evening we were sitting around our kitchen table and we decided that this method of documenting and understanding the pandemic was a fantastic opportunity for people to express themselves throughout this isolation. And we came up with the idea of 100 Words of Solitude, a challenge to writers across the globe to explain in exactly 100 words their experience of lockdown and isolation. I know this was very much a labour of love for you. Can you tell us a little about the process of collating the pieces and how you interacted with the writers? The submissions that we received from all over the world encapsulated both a huge amount of difference in terms of people's cultural um, and political experiences of the pandemic but they also encapsulated a shared human experience that was recognisable, even if they came from places far, far away from where we were. As we were selecting the pieces to publish in the collection, we were searching for variety of situation, variety of voice, variety of subject. So we were looking for what it was like to be isolated within your family, what it was like to be isolated within the workplace, as well as what it was like to be isolated completely alone and unable to move around in the community. The shared global experience, even though we were isolated, cut off from each other and incredibly far apart. As writers ourselves, my husband and I are aware that when writers submit to uh, magazines and publications, they often don't hear anything or get a standard rejection email if their piece hasn't been selected. It was really important for us that every single writer who submitted to us received a personal response, received feedback on their work, but also knew that they were being heard at a time when they were writing about something 
so unprecedented and so potentially deeply personal that that connection shone through. So I found myself responding to hundreds of emails with the most amazing people and it was heartbreaking not to be able to publish every single piece. We describe it as the solitude family because everyone who submits and everyone who gets published and every reader is part of that global connection where we're reaching out across the world at a time when we're being told to stay at home and isolate ourselves and socially distanced from people. And that interaction was incredibly powerful for us and I hope it was for the writers and the readers as well. Let's hear some more pieces from the collection. These pieces are all read by their authors. Solitude by Amantine Bordeaux from Switzerland. I am not in the now of tomorrow, nor today, not in the locus of past, perfect or otherwise. I'm not in the now of now, even were now the locus of presence or being. No location found. I am not in the now of immediacy, nor in the there of blunt statement or chapter openings, nor in the news, or new of Instagram homelessness. I am not of the profound nowhere woken up in the narrative of collective heartbreak, or beloved into withdrawal that shines over covert language, rattling like old trains facing the end of the line. Palimpsest by Brian Kirk from Dublin, Ireland. Palimpsest. Kids almost grown, but the house more crowded than ever. I'm clearing out the room downstairs, full of accumulated junk, half-forgotten remnants of a life, tokens, totems of another person's life. I come across all these pages, some typed, some handwritten that I can't remember writing and among them I find the stories that you wrote typed on the sad underwood with the sticky ribbon and on the back of one a poem I wrote about you sleeping when we knew or cared nothing about futures in the flat in Canning Town after a night of drinking in the scud. Barrier Nursing by Tony Osgood from Kent in England. Through clear glass, love. Between machines and you, love, lies a hard-tossed glimpse of soft skin disappearing and ball-shaped hope thrown over a garden fence then taken in by neighbours. Sad eye masks, green gown, shake head, say sit. This is ventilated goodbye, an unkind farewell. Not love as you might name it. Through clear eyes, love, we wade pools, thyme, soil and marshland over a drowning bridge towards sad summer. Among absent crowds at shore, on street, I see you waiting in an endless queue, alive with clean-eyed patience. After this holding of breath, we'll breathe easy, 
knowing life support is touch. A Hundred Words of Solitude is published by Rare Swan Press, which is run by Renee Segal. We spoke to Renee about how she came to be involved in the project. I happened across A Hundred Words of Solitude online on Twitter, and I began following it because I thought it was a lovely idea. It was an intriguing title. And over the months, as the entries were published, I became uh, increasingly attached, if you like, to the project. I thought it was really lovely. Some of the works were really moving. I started retweeting and hearting, you know, liking um, a lot of the posts as they came up. Then on a day, unexpectedly, I got contacted by the editors, Philippa and Simon Holloway, asking me whether I'd like to be part of the publishing project side of things. And of course, I said, yes, I jumped at the chance because I thought this was really special. And they then uh, mentioned to me that it would be a charity project, which I liked even more. And so I agreed. And that's how it all started. It was really challenging in terms of timing. COVID brought a lot of things to a halt. People were no longer working. Printers were, at, in the beginning, had a backlog. Then they didn't print anymore. And so we had a period of time in which nothing could be done. And obviously there was a natural expectation on the behalf of the contributors that there would be, the book would emerge at a certain date, which of course had to be postponed. So it was a case of managing expectations Uh, keeping everybody informed as to the progress or non-progress as the case might have been at any particular given point. The contributors, I have to say, have been all been marvellous and understanding um, about the lengthy process it took to finally get the book to the printers, get the book finally out, and then we had the added challenge um, of getting the books to people because this is an international project, the greatest challenge there was shipping uh, because a lot of flights were cancelled, there were delays, uh, couldn't really determine when people would actually receive the books. And so that was really the challenging side of things. But in the end, it has gone remarkably well, all considered. I found it very moving because one had initially the sense of communal isolation and with all the video clips, especially with the Italian lockdown and the coming together on balconies, singing, um, sharing stories, um, people bringing other neighbours food, etc. It opened up the more communal humanity than we've been experiencing over time because everybody becomes really, you know, elderly people suffer isolation in the real sense that nobody talks to them. But here, all of a sudden, isolation became a connective tissue to a community, not just locally, but globally through um, the internet. And 
it was very interesting to read the different kind of experiences, yet each of them held this commonality of facing something that we've never experienced before and the uncertainty of how this was going to unfold. So I found it really moving and really touching. And I found it very, very brave. I thought it was a lovely idea. I still do. And I think the ramifications of this sort of, especially in terms of mental health, um, touched people's lives in ways that we are yet to sort of understand. Now let's hear more of the pieces from the collection, read by our actors. A New York City Keening by Joanne Sutton-Smith, New York, USA. A soul under duress cannot hope to address this kind of pain alone. Every night at 7pm sharp in New York City, windows normally closed fling wide open. Pot lids clanging cymbals, the man standing on the corner blows his spit-shined horn up to the sky. One little girl in light-up sneakers waving an American flag dances to this street music wildly. Up and down Broadway's vacant wilderness, beneath all the banging, I hear the wolves within insistently howling. Grief, not muffled, guttural, deep. Gratitude, too, for those who care for the sick and dying. Keeping our nightly vigil, keening. Remote Therapy by Natalie Riley Johnson from Swansea, Wales. Laura is in the waiting room, announces a pop-up message on my screen. My substitute receptionist is efficient, though lacking Marie's friendly smile and breezy voice. Laura's face appears beside mine. She fidgets while we wait for the sound to connect. In the absence of physical proximity, I strain to understand and contain her emotions. Is that a Wi-Fi glitch or a distress signal? My washing pile peeks out from the corner and my children's voices float in from another room, the anonymity of the clinic obliterated. Distant, but strangely intimate. I virtually hold her hand through all the barriers. 2020 05 D02 Jürgen Schernick, Hamburg, Germany I live in outer space now, and I like it here. I've hoarded enough noodles to fly to Jupiter and back. There is a crazy computer on board. I'm talking to it because that's what you're supposed to do with crazy computers. But it doesn't answer. I might be deaf and dumb or just shy. I'm not lonely. The stars and planets are my companions. Only the supermarket terrifies me. It's been taken over by aliens. Their faces know neither nose nor mouth. Their eyes are full of fear. So I rush back to outer space 
and there I exhale. Golden Angels Shampasinha, Tasmania, Australia Your garden at the end of the world is full of golden angels. Two naked male ones stand atop a broken-down jalopy, as if hitching a ride. In your book-lined bunker I lay out potions in labelled syringes that will help you ride out jagged waves of pain, nausea and vomiting, save you from the chaotic swirl of hospital world. You listen calmly, your thin arms cradling your distended belly, a bitter pregnancy birthing death, not life. The practicalities done I drive away. I have given you passport and tickets. The angels will wave you through to your next destination. Germ Hunt by Alison Locke in West Yorkshire, England I am at the wide end of a telescope, looking up at my tiny self. What do I see? A person full of anxiety about an invisible thing. Now she is washing her hands for important work. A surgeon preparing to expunge the invisible. To sanitise surfaces, clean door handles, even to disinfect the latch of the garden gate. I climb in. The funnel narrows. I am falling. We meet at the disc of the eyepiece. A petri dish. She sees her own eye looking out. There is nothing else. Just a black pupil taking in the whole of me. What about the homeless? Ibrahim Babatunde Ibrahim, Ilorin, Nigeria. A potent fear lurks behind my composure and smiles as I leave my neighbours cheering, clapping, calling me a hero. It stretches forth and consumes me little by little through the journey until I'm fully engulfed by the time I arrive at the hospital. It's a long time to hold one's breath, but I can only breathe at work's end. A little boy in torn clothes, stands behind my car. No mask, no gloves, looking dirty. I reach into my bag and offer him some. Mask and gloves useless for street, madam. No house to sleep I need, he says. Having heard some of the pieces from this unique collection, we know you may want to buy a copy for yourself. We'll post all of the links as part of the show notes, and we'll also post social media links to Rare Swan Press and to Philippa and Simon Holloway, so you can find out more about our guests. Let's hear a bit more of the writing from 100 Words of Solitude. This selection of pieces are read by their authors. Brumation by Hannah Ingeborg from Denmark. Brumation. Not quite hibernating, cold-blooded animals enter a state of brumation in the winter. I am doing the same. Not sleeping, but slowing down until only a gentle inertia pushes me forward through the restless night 
towards an awake that is no more peaceful than the hours before. On a walk this morning, a viper slid sleepily across my path, now free to roam the sandy, humanless paths. Head turning to stare me down, it seemed to say, Winter is over, didn't you hear the sun? I stared back, maybe for you, maybe it's over for creatures closer to the ground. The Kids by Manuela Palacios from Galicia, Spain. And now, plenty of time to look at them, to follow their games, their fun and frolics, to consider their growth, their glee and glamour, the revelation of this spring's fragrances, the renewed blooming colours, their filial attachment, the call from the wildness, that permanent candid smile on their faces which biology has branded them with. They turn round and watch me if I step out, just to gauge my intentions. See, no harm meant. Back to their herd immunity. They obviously do not need me, and I return to my circumscribed, uncompanionable home. My neighbor's goats from my window. For Robbie Brown, New York, by Attractor Fahi from County Galway, Ireland. It was Saturday when he passed, eight days after he tested positive. Fighting cancer, he intuitively knew this meant death. We spoke Tuesday. I'm almost done here, he said. I'm ready to roll. Grateful for our friendship, our time. We did many lovely things. Slipping between worlds, he sent a text. Two cocktail glass emojis, 20 X's. Later, I had an insight. Text my son to play Green Tara Mantra. Minutes later, he flew. On Sunday, I walked to Loch Corrib, watched wintering swans prepare for their long flight home. Feet skimming water, wings whooping through air, flying high. More Than a Mother by Kekashin Khalid from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I can't get up off this bed, but I have to. Three mouths rely on my ability to make breakfast. Three pairs of arms rely on the stability of my cuddles. The day looms before me. Too much to get done and nothing to do all at once. So I trample the voices inside and continue like everything's normal. After all, some people have it much worse, don't they? Be thankful and go on, being the bulwark your family must lean on and bluster amidst bottles of paint and bushels of words, hoping to make connections you can lean on. 
Heartbreak in the Time of Corona by Aisha Hamid from Lahore, Pakistan. We're all grieving in different ways, none like you. You're on the other side of the phone, listing down the unremarkable reasons you fell for them, the remarkable ways they hurt you, agonizing over things you should have done to slow the death. As people die, you want someone to tell you once, just once, that you too were loved back, however briefly. You too mattered enough. There will be other heartbreaks, none like this. As your voice cracks, I wonder if heartbreaks need a sense of normalcy too. If heartbreaks feel deeper when the world is ending. Pause by Elif Faruzzi from Istanbul in Turkey. It's early, and the kin tiles on the rooftops are wet from the night cry. A fully dull, ash-gray sky has closed her curtains to not see what is happening down below. The city is so silent, as if evacuated during the night, or perhaps I've suddenly gone deaf or disconnected from human life. I watch emerging birds, a few come and go. Seagulls pose on our neighbor's roof. One tries to land on the smoking chimney, sleeps. I smile and momentarily forget what the Spanish doctor said about having to choose who to switch off from the life machine. Everything is Connected by Oz Hardwick from York in England. When I consider the distance between inside and outside, I think perhaps that although there are borders and guards on all sides, every word, whether understood or not, is a passport, and there are dazzling ships disembarking with each nod of a passing stranger's head. We Have Names For You by Maria S. Picconi from South Carolina, USA. Negotiating your groceries with an Instacart worker. Take this hunger for the commonplace and learn food insecurity. Flutter of fear at receiving your annual physical. Take this tremble about going to the hospital and learn lack of coverage. The dread that 2020 has deprived your child. Take this tumult in our schools and learn access to education. The substantial self-doubt of what a body can yield. Take this restriction on your physical activities and learn disability. Awareness of your vulnerable body, immunocompromised. A drifting space capsule, isolation anguish over those who dispute your facts, survivor stories, take your compassion, learn. Untitled by Amerik Fromontin from Auckland, New Zealand. Hi, 
Isolation makes it easy. It's never been that easy to do the right thing. You merely have to do nothing. Simple as that. Doing nothing is doing the good thing. It's Buddhist in essence. Expect nothing, need nothing. Pass on this world like the autumn leaf on the stream of water, graze it, and leave the faintest ripple. I hear an ominous bang coming from outside and look. It seems, in spite of social distancing rules, two drivers managed to crash their cars into each other's. I wonder if they were going to their essential jobs or to get takeaway. Lenses and Laughter by R.J. Kanani from Buckinghamshire, England. I look into her eyes. This student I've worked with for four years now, and yet I've never looked into her eyes. I've always sat next to her before. It's less confrontational, more inclusive, closer. But now I'm looking through lenses. The lens of the webcam, the lens of her glasses, the lens of a frightening, uncertain world. She's not smiling, not a trace of a laugh. We've always laughed before, even when she was at her most stressed and the exam was imminent we could find something to laugh about. The exam stress has gone. The laughter has gone. Deadlines and Cuddles by Shannon Kenny from Durban, South Africa. Oh, Mum, is this work really that important? It's like we're here, but we're not together. She crawls into my lap and I place one arm around her while the other is still wearily poised to continue with my pressing assignment. Elbow on the desk, wrist raised, fingertips tapping the keyboard. This isn't how it's supposed to be, she opines. If I get this work done, I get paid, I say. But money isn't more important than love, Mum. I agree. Remove my hand from the keyboard and snuggle in close, taking in the fragrance of her freshly washed hair. People Watching in the Age of Self-Isolation by Christina Parisi from California, USA I watched the waif-like preteen exit her parents' two-story brownstone, face glued to her phone. No mask. She fails to notice the door doesn't click shut. I watch her bounce down the stairs that empty onto a leaf-filled sidewalk, heading toward the deli. I watch her bump into a face-masked senior citizen using a walker, not taking her eyes off the phone. Excuse you, she says, under her breath, nothing but a blur to the elderly man trying to regain his bearings. I watch as she trips over a curb and goes down, head first, screen shattering in her face. Let's end this podcast by looking forward, beyond COVID. We asked Philippa and Renee to give us some thoughts and reflections on the world, post-lockdown. What has our experience of lockdown and the pandemic changed in the way we think as writers, artists and readers? I think in terms of artistry, it has highlighted how central artistic expression is to human existence. While political leaders might shove it aside and while 
unfortunately, it is one of the areas of endeavor that gets um, cut financially, the f- first off. Um, this has shown just how fundamental human expression is to our sense of self, you know, who we are, not just individually, but as communities, as countries even. Do you think we've learned anything valuable from lockdown that we might wish to retain in our lives going forward? Um, The fact that more and more people turn to performances online, free performances online, note. Um, It was not it was no longer about money. It was no longer about even eking out a living, yes, in various ways for especially artists where it ended up being a really precarious time. Uh, but it became incredibly rich artistically. And I think the lesson there is that leadership should really take a very close look at their own attitudes to art. Um, and take it more seriously in terms of the vital role it plays in the fabric of our societies, no matter where you are, from China to Japan, from Japan to to Africa. It's central to communities. It's central to being alive, really. And I think that has shifted even the perception of artists themselves about how important what they do can be. It's no longer just some self-indulgent something or the arts being something that is funded by foundations and done for prestige or glamour or, you know, um, produced so that it be sold on auction for millions of dollars. This is about connectivity. This is about expressing the communal human experience. And so I think, yes, that has shifted a sense of self in in the artistic sense. That's crucial. And finally, can you give us a piece that you feel sums up the experience of lockdown from the collection? Every single piece in the collection encompasses a really vital aspect of lockdown and speaks to me personally, and I'm sure to readers across the world, speaks to them as powerfully. Um, There is one piece that I... I have returned to that gives me some solace and some guidance in how to handle the the hardest days of isolation, which is Love Me As I Am by Paula Ganon Savides from Cyprus. And it's almost an instruction on how to cope with living inside your own head and how to manage that internal voice and keep yourself on an even keel until we're all allowed to return to some kind of new normal and reconnect with each other. Um, And it's a a really beautiful, really inspiring and comforting piece of writing that I have returned to over and over again. Love Me As I Am by Paula Ganon-Savides from Larnaca in Cyprus. You must live inside your head, however briefly, and sift through the junk of public opinion to distill your own pure voice. If summoning your public persona feels like a hardship requiring more than a morning cup of tea, then learn to love your isolation. 
If your solitude, like contagion, scares those who seek comfort in the crowd, shut your eyes. Embrace your strangeness. Delve into your own dark sea, dwell in its fathoms. Unearth words like rubies from a mountain. Explore those ebony threads to weave your own story. Compose your own anthem until the light returns. I think the one that really points to the essence of what this experience has been and still is for so many. We are easing out of lockdown, but we're no, by no means out and over it, okay? It's a poem by Cindy Matthews from Ontario in Canada, Never Forgotten. It's, it's one of these unexpected pieces of writing that takes you through what could be your own street your own backyard and your own home, in a sense. A neighbor's experience of their immediate environment and suddenly they're removed from it. It's no longer what it used to be. And then suddenly finding yourself in a hospitalized situation that is totally unknown to you. You, you're not walking in or you're not carried into a hospital or wheeled into a hospital where a doctor greets you personally. They're behind masks. You're on a gurney. You're in a hallway. You're in suddenly in an old-age home. People have masks. They're struggling to breathe. And the entire context of your life is no longer what you know. And yet, Blackbirds are still singing outside. You know, it's suddenly being faced with the totally unfamiliar within the most intimate of circumstances. And it can be terribly frightening because suddenly the center of your world is just gone. And in that sense, never forgotten, I think has plays on that beautiful idea of an, a very memorable moment but one of those kinds of experiences that change you forever. Never Forgotten by Cindy Matthews, Ontario, Canada. Blackbirds jabber from lilac branches oblivious to empty streets. Brick buildings sigh, doors shutter, cold sweat endures. Sunshine shrieks from indigo clouds. Yesterday's shirt, now inside out, is worn again. In the city, a son and his gorgeous gal pull the stopper on their nuptials. Crusted over eyes, weep endlessly. A neighbour's horses smell of urine. You want to know why, but can't ask. What if it's not them, but her? Surgical masks conceal identity, but not puffy eyes of despair. People creep, hockey sticks clutched with neoprene hands. A gurney in a hospital hallway, cramped home to an imminent ancestor. Here's our final selection of pieces from A Hundred Words of Solitude, read by our actors. 
Nomadic by Dominic Heck, Melbourne, Australia. Daybreak unfurls its curtain of light. Sunshine turns away from your window. You become a nomad. Walk towards the edge of the civilized world. Set yourself apart. Look for the real on the edge of insanity. With every pace, the weight of your body shifts. There is nothing solid underfoot. You try chassés with and without Porte de Bras. A leap, legs tremble. Find balance. Your feet pick up the dance. Ascend wordless climbs. You climb down. When night falls and you come back in your body, the house will dissolve and run as the virus roves around the globe. Absence. Debabrata Sahu. Bhubaneswar, India. Hours passed. Nobody arrived. The chairs arranged in front of the house remained untouched, unoccupied, empty, collecting rain and dirt in the shallow bowls of their seats like the chairs installed at the Krakow Ghetto Square. The man, who had often wished death upon his wife, wept profusely at her funeral, while my brother and I busied ourselves building a pyre in a corner of the cremation field. We had brought with us an old plastic Coca-Cola bottle, half filled with paraffin. The body burned slowly, and I saw Ma's damaged lungs slip through her ribcage and eventually turn to dust. Close. Eleni S. Askim, Oslo, Norway. Call my name. Grab my hand, a double hand clasp. Pull my arms into yours. Hug. Hello again. Stand by my side. Stand closer. Walk with me. Look me in the eye. Smile. There you are. Invite me in. Sit with me. Pour me a drink and cook me a meal. Tell me your thoughts. Talk. It's been too long. Share your news. Ask about mine. Laugh with me. Play our favourite tunes. Reminisce. That feels better. Kiss me on both cheeks. Hug me at the door. Follow me outside. Hug me again. Watch me walk away. Wave. Till tomorrow. Green-White Hysteria. Blessing Jagadi, Lagos, Nigeria. The sun has turned his back on the earth, the prophet sang. Red, blue, white and yellow have fallen. What can the green do? Our gates must now be closed. The heavens will have roadblocks. The scourge is the end of the world. The Ayinbo man has a plan to kill us all. Break these leaves to eat or you'll fall to his devious plot. We see through blood-red eyes, and hear with racing hearts. I would like to be the logical observer, 
but pain has made it so that everyone is crazy, and I will be crazy too. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast in conjunction with 100 Words of Solitude. On today's show, our readers were Chris Gregory, Marie-Claire Wood, and me, Sally Walker-Taylor. Our guests were Philippa Holloway and Renee Segal. Production, sound design, and music were by Chris Gregory. Sound effects were from freesound.org. We would like to thank all of the writers who read their own pieces for this podcast and all of the contributors who were kind enough to allow their pieces to appear. Making a final decision on the pieces to include was incredibly difficult and we would like to encourage our listeners to buy a copy of the collection in order to experience the many brilliant pieces we were not able to include. We'd especially like to thank Renee Segal for working closely with us in the production of this podcast and Philippa and Simon Holloway for the original idea for 100 Words of Solitude. Thank you for entrusting this audio version of the collection to Alternative Stories. If this has been your first time listening to Alternative Stories and Fake Realities, please subscribe to hear more of our audio drama, poetry and fiction podcasts the moment they're released and have access to our full archive. You can find us by searching for Alternative Stories in all major podcast apps, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can follow us on social media, where we post as at storiesalt on Twitter and as at stories.alt on Instagram. Coming soon on Alternative Stories and Fake Realities, we have audio drama by Fiona Mountain. The Keeper of Songs is based on Fiona's forthcoming novel of the same name and features folklore from Derbyshire and music from Bella Hardy. We'll also have science fiction drama from Emily Inkpen. Following the release of her drama, The Bomb, on this podcast almost a year ago, we've invited Emily to bring back the characters from that story for another drama, this time called The Hunt. We'll also be bringing you poetry from Gregory Ledbetter and a look into the folklore and mythology associated with stone circles and standing stones, featuring Anna Cholton, Sean Esterpau, and many more guests. A Hundred Words of Solitude has been an Alternative Stories 2021 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast in association with A Hundred Words of Solitude and Rare Swan Press. The presenter has been me, Sally Walker-Taylor. The Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcast. Audio drama, poetry, fiction.